Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Made It to the Beautiful Side by Marifer. Thank you so much for being here. I know it's been a minute since I've uploaded an episode. As a matter of fact, I uploaded the first episode and it's been months and I'm barely uploading the second one, which I'm totally fine with that. I have episodes that are already recorded and edited and everything. Well, I don't really edit them. I like leaving them like raw, but you know what I mean? And I was debating whether or not I wanted to upload those or I wanted to make a new one. So I'm going to go ahead and make a new one because I just feel like it's like the right time to post this. I think it's the right time to record it. I have it in me to talk about it. So let's get right into it. Healing my relationship with my father. Before I get started with um, this episode, I wanted to give a little backstory. So my parents met when they were young. And, you know, he appeared to be very charming to my mom. My mom fell in love with him, like most girls do at that age. Um, you know, they got together, then they got married, had three kids, etc. I'm not going to go too into detail in regards to their relationship because I'm going to cover that in different episodes. But my dad was an absent father and i don't only mean it physically i mean it like emotionally like in every aspect possible my dad was absent and you know growing up i always wanted to have a dad figure in my life and unconsciously i would you know put that father figure in different people um for some time it was my mom's partners and then that kind of shifted towards my grandpa and then that went to the pasture and you know I had these men that I you know cared for and I you know knew they cared for me so I would put them in that father role because I didn't know what it was like to have a father and I do believe and I strongly believe this and I talk about this all the time kids need both of their parents whether they are married whether they are separated, whether they're divorced, whether, you know, they the parents don't interact. Um, you know, every single child should have a relationship with their mother and father. I think that is so important for every aspect of their life. Like, you just need both parents. Like, there is a reason why it takes two people to bring in a human to this world. Like, that is not debatable for me. Like, I needed my dad. I needed him. I used to think I didn't need him because my mom, you know, took on that father role and, you know, tried her best for us to not feel like we were missing anything. But that didn't change the fact that I needed him. And I always needed him. You know, I'm 23 years old and I still need my dad. You know, unfortunately, my dad passed away um, last month. And that has been very hard for me to... You know, it's very hard to cope because one thing is for you to grieve your father when he's alive. You know, like growing up, he was never there. So I kind of always knew he wasn't there, but I knew he was alive. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like if people ask me like, hey, where's your dad? Or, you know, do you have a relationship with your dad? I would say, oh, you know, I don't really talk to him. Like, but I know he's he's OK. Right. Um, because you guys already know, like when it's bad news, you find out. But when they're doing good, there's no news. Right. So I would always say that. Right. Like it was no big deal. And now shifting from, you know, my dad, you know, I don't have a relationship with him to, oh, my dad passed away. That's a big shift. Um, currently, I, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but I feel like an orphan. Like I 
generally feel like an orphan and it might be very confusing to some people because you know the people that know me personally are like how could you feel like an orphan if he's never been in your life but let me go ahead and dig into why I feel like that so I'm gonna take you guys back with me to 2022 my mom broke her foot and I was her full-time caregiver right so my mom and I were at Walmart and at the time my mom was not allowed to walk so she was on a wheelchair so I was pushing her wheelchair um and out of nowhere like I remember I remember this vividly I was walking with her and I was pushing her and all of a sudden I get this sharp very very sharp pain in my chest as if someone stabbed me and I remember I gasped and I stopped and my mom was like what happened are you okay obviously she couldn't see me but you know I stopped very you know I I put the brakes you know like really hard so she got scared and so I go I go to her and I look at her in the face and I tell her mom my dad's gonna die and she's like hey don't say that like you know we don't joke about those things and I'm like no like I'm not joking like he's gonna die um for all of this I'm gonna make like a brief little parentheses I guess you can say my dad was an abusive partner um you know there was a lot of domestic violence that went on in the relationship and so obviously my dad was never brought in up to conversations like we were you know my sisters and I would try our best not to mention him because you know we didn't want to trigger my mom obviously she was severely traumatized severely hurt and the last thing we wanted was to you know bring back these things to her so when I told her that she was like hey like you know you want to joke about those things I don't know what and I told her no mom like I'm not joking like I I can feel it And so we went on with our shopping, right? And I remember for weeks, it was like in the back of my head, in the back of my head, in the back of my head, like, you know, that my dad's going to die. For all of this, I didn't talk to him. You know, I had tried multiple times to reach out, but he's a, he was a very immature man. So it was really hard to have like adult, you know, really, I mean, conversations with him because he was just not open to them at the time. So as the weeks went on, you know, I just would pray for him and I would tell God like God I don't know why you gave me that feeling um and you know that thought that my dad's gonna die but you know if there's anything that I could do or if there's anything you need me to do you know just let me know (laughs) I did not expect God to literally put me in that position and to take my prayer literally but that's how God is. And it's like they say, you have to be careful what you ask for. So fast forwarding a few months after that feeling that I had in those weeks of prayer, my mom and I are having dinner together or lunch. I don't remember the exact time or setting. I just remember we were eating. And so my sister calls. I don't even remember if she called me or my mom. Like that's literally how crazy that day was. And so she says, she's like, Hey, um, my dad, you know, dad had a heart attack and um, he's he's coming over here like to Texas at the time he was in Tennessee. So I was like, what? You know, like my head wasn't stuck in the fact that he was coming to Texas. Like, no, my brain was like, how did he have a heart attack? Like, I, I knew that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, maybe not the heart attack. But like, what? You know, like it was just crazy. And I remember my sister saying like, oh, you know, they had to resuscitate him several times. 
blah, 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 blah. So I was like, oh my goodness. And so I remember I went to the restroom and I prayed and I said, God, this isn't a coincidence. I know this is not a coincidence. I know that you're trying to show me something. You're trying to teach me something. You're putting me in this position for a reason. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what me saying this is going to sign me up for, but I'm here to serve you. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve you. That's literally what I said. And my sister had mentioned that she didn't know what she was going to do with him, right, in regards to, like, where he was going to stay. And at the time, I was working at a hotel, which my mom is a manager at. And my mom and I looked at each other, I'm not even kidding, for, like, five minutes straight, no words. And she looks at me and she tells me, she's like, do whatever you have to do. And she's like, I don't know if you want to call the boss and ask if... He'll let him stay there. I don't know if you guys can come to an agreement. And I remember looking at her and telling her, like, Mom, like, that's my dad. Like, you you feel unsafe around him. Like, why would you put yourself in that position? Like, don't worry. I'll figure it out. Like, I was already, my mind was everywhere. I was like, how am I going to help my sister, you know, find placement for him? And my mom was like, no. She was like, um, you know, if that's the only place that he can stay at, like, you know, I'm you know, as long as he doesn't get close to me, like, I don't want to have any interaction with him. And I said, okay, so I called my boss and I asked my boss, I was like, hey, I wanted to see if we could come into to an agreement to like how much we were going to pay him and all of that. And so to not make the story too long, he tells me that, yeah, he could stay there, blah, 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 blah. So the only condition was that my dad was not allowed to leave the room and get close to my mom or like even, you know, like at all, like my mom just could not see him. So he had like certain hours where he could go outside and stuff. And I know for some people, it's probably not going to make sense. But my mom is honestly like the most amazing human on earth. Like her heart is so big and so pure. Like that act of love that she did, not for my dad, but for a child of God is amazing. And, you know, sometimes like when I have doubts about doing certain things, I just look at my mom and say, my mom would do that. Like, my mom's heart is big. Like, she has God's heart. And there's no doubt in my mind that God is going to recognize all of the things that she's done for people. And, okay, I need to stop because I could literally make an entire episode, like, hyping up my mom because she's amazing. I love her so much. Mama, if you're listening to this, because I know you are, because you're my number one fan, I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for you. Anyhow, moving forward. So, he gets to the hotel. I didn't see him the first, I believe, two to three weeks. I couldn't convince myself to go talk to him because I want you guys to understand what his presence meant to me. He was a person that severely damaged my mom's integrity, image, self-esteem, anything you could possibly think of. Like He damaged my mom in every way possible. And he is a person that caused a lot of trauma in my family. You know, growing up, we had to move so many times because as soon as he found out where we were living, we had to move. You know, he's a, a, you know, this person, this, this man would go to our schools and try to take us out of school to take us with him. You know, like I'm talking about something very, very traumatizing. I'm talking about a man that inflicted a lot of hurt into my family. You know, till this day, my older sister, like, we do not have a relationship with her. 
you know, no matter how much I've tried, no matter how much I've put my head down, you know, to be there for her, like, I just, I cannot form that relationship with her because of my father. And I'm pretty sure that if she listens to this or if somebody tells her about it, she's going to get upset. And honestly, at this day and age, I'm not, I don't really care about that. Um, I'm sharing this because I know that it happens in a lot of families and I feel like it's not talked about enough. And I think that there are topics that need to get talked about. And I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to talk about my family story, um, you know, to educate and also like for you guys to see God's love, because I have seen God's love time after time. And this story that I'm about to tell you is an example of it. So after many conversations with myself, prayer, meditating, journaling, reading, writing, walking, after all of that, I finally decided to go see him. So as I'm walking to the towards the door, I want you guys to imagine not butterflies in my stomach. I want you to imagine owls, birds, snakes, everything. Like I felt everything in my tummy that day. So I go knock on the door, you know, and you would think that I would be upset by seeing him. You know, I wanted to see him for a long time because I'm like, I have so much to tell you. Not good. I was not planning on telling him anything good I just wanted to spill everything that was consuming me inside that was giving me gastritis literally because I had so much anger towards him and resentment and why 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 you know I just wanted to ask him all these things you know what I mean and when he opened that door I no longer looked at the man that hurt me and traumatized me and abandoned me I no longer looked at the man that took my sister when we were older sister when we were little kids and brought her back like a completely different person. I no longer looked at the man that would follow us and spy on us when we were out. I no longer looked at the man that I was afraid of. I no longer looked at him as a monster because I knew and I had it well engraved in me that there's not a single person that can hurt me. And I knew he couldn't hurt me. And I knew that he was in such a vulnerable medical state that he didn't even have the strength if he had the intention to hurt me to hurt me. And I remember looking at him with compassion and I remember thinking, why do you feel compassion for him? Why? Like, Marifer, you're wrong. Like, you're not supposed to feel like this. And I remember feeling so confused as to why there was tears running down my eyes when he gave me a hug. And I was thinking, Marifer, why are you feeling like this? Like, you hate this man. You hate him. Like, you hate him. You think he is deserving of pain right now. You think that he should die. You think that he needs to pay for everything that he did to your mom and to your family. Why are you feeling compassion? Why are you being empathetic? Those were the things that were going through my head as I was feeling all of these very intense emotions. And I really don't think that I can put in words, you know, the confusion that was going on at that moment because my inner child was present. But so was my 22-year-old self. My 22-year-old self was sitting across from him and thinking, wow, you must be in a lot of pain right now. My 22-year-old self was sitting across from him and thinking, is there any way that I could take his pain away somehow? My 22-year-old self was sitting across from him thinking, why do I care if he ate? when he never cared if I had a plate on my table. My 22-year-old self was thinking, 
Why do I ask him if he's taken his medicine when he never cared when I needed medicine? My 22-year-old self was thinking, why did I get this man health insurance when I myself have never had health insurance? My 22-year-old self was thinking, why am I even here? He's not deserving of my time. He's not deserving of my acts of love. He's not deserving of that. But then my 22-year-old self was thinking, he looks in a lot of pain. It must suck to be in his position. My 22-year-old self was also thinking, no one deserves to be put in a position like that medically. My 22-year-old self was thinking, how long does he have until he, he dies? Like, he looks very sick. My 22-year-old self was thinking, I can be pissed at him. That's fine. But that person sitting across from you, that's your father. His DNA and your mom's DNA created you. And I want you guys to imagine all of these thoughts going on at the same time while we're having conversations. And I remember we were talking and he tells me, he's like, "Um, hey, I know this must be hard for you to be here. He's like, I don't deserve for you to be here. And then I told him, you're probably right, but I choose to be here. And I told him, just because you weren't there for me does not mean that right now that I'm given the opportunity, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be there for you. And I remember seeing the tears run down his cheeks, and I remember telling him, I don't intend to inflict pain on you, but I'm just communicating how I'm feeling right now. And he said, no, I understand. He said, I, I understand. And I asked him, do you really understand, Dad? And he said, yes, I do understand. He's like, but I need you to know why I'm here. And I remember when he said, I need you to know why I'm here. I said, oh, he's going to say those things that he always says that are going to inflict a lot of pain on me. Because he tend to be very, very abusive with his words and he tend to cut with his words. So I wasn't really sure if I was prepared for what he was going to say, but I gave him the opportunity to express himself. And these were his words. When I felt like I was going to have a heart attack, I looked up at God and I told him, God, I just need one more opportunity. He said that he had the heart attack. They resuscitated him. He was in the hospital and he was in very, very critical conditions. And when he got conscious, he asked God again. He said, God, I need you to give me one more opportunity because I want to make things right. He's like, I don't want to live. I don't want to leave. Um without my daughters knowing who I am and without my daughters giving me the forgiveness I need, I have to apologize to them for the pain I've inflicted on them. He wanted to do the same with my mom. And I remember when he told me that, I got chills and I was like, what? And then he was like, I'm sorry. Have in mind that we weren't talking about anything at the moment. There wasn't no deep conversation that we were having or anything. We were just talking about his medical state. And I told him, I was like, well, is there anything you want to say? And he said, I'm sorry. And he said, there's no amount of words that can, that I can tell you for you to forgive me. He's like, and I'm probably not deserving of your forgiveness, but I want you to know that I'm sorry. And so at that moment, I had a decision to make. Was I going to give him the opportunity 
or was I going to completely shut that door and just not speak to him again? It was very, very hard. Definitely being put in that position was something very confusing, something I was not prepared for. But I remember I looked into his eyes and I told him, I'm going to give you one opportunity. And I'm doing this for me, not for you. And I remember him saying, thank you. And so our conversation that day didn't last very long because after he had told me that, I, it was a lot for me. So I needed a little bit of time to process that. So I said bye to him and, you know, I went out about my day. And I remember all night I could not sleep. I was just laying down with my eyes closed and I was telling God, God, I really wish I could understand you right now. And I really wish I could understand the entire situation before me, but I don't. And I need your guidance because, granted, I have no idea what's going on. And I want to make sure that whatever I say or do is your will. So the days went by. I kept going little by little. I didn't go every day because I was busy working. But I tried stopping by as I could. Um, you know, I I helped out when needed. Stayed away when needed. Um, and... It was very hard because my family didn't understand my position. They they didn't understand why I was giving him an opportunity and why all of a sudden I was wanting to have a relationship with him. But I knew that God was telling me that I needed to do this for myself. And as I got to know him, I began to ask him questions and I just wanted to know so much because we had been away for so long. I mean, 22 years and I knew nothing about you. All I know is bad. I'm sure there's at least a little bit of good in you. So I I wanted to find that out. I wanted to know why he beat my mom up. I wanted to know why, why her, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to know if he had beat his previous girlfriends up. I, I wanted to know that and I wanted to know why he didn't beat us, his daughters, You know, there was just so many questions I wanted to know because my brain could not understand why his behaviors were the way they are. For all of this, I do want to mention that everything I'm talking about this podcast, he knew he wanted me to share his story because he doesn't he didn't want anyone to go through what he went through and miss out on the things he missed out on because of mental health. He shared with me how he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder when he was in his early adulthood, never treated it, never took medication, never seeked professional help. He told me that he beat up my mom because it would show that he was a man. Because he had been sexually abused when he was a child, he was angry at life, so he felt like he needed to get back at women. And it might be very hard for people to understand, but psychologically speaking, it's understandable. That's what happens when you don't treat your traumas. Um, I I then asked him if he had beat his like his previous girlfriends, you know, before my mom. And he said that he hadn't beat them as severely as he had beat my mom, but he had slapped them. They had had physical aggressions. And that's the reason why both of them left him. But my mom stayed. I'm not going to go too into detail once again about my mom and dad's relationship because I'm going to cover that in different episodes, but I just wanted to surface that. 
he took responsibility for not being there but he also told me that he wasn't there and he wasn't around and he quote-unquote abandoned us because he could not control himself and so he shared with me that if he was around he would inflict pain because that's all he knew he didn't know how to feel loved and he didn't know how to be loved and he didn't know how to give love so he didn't want to be around us and that solved a lot of issues within me because for years i had believed that there was something wrong with me and the reason people would abandon me was because there was something wrong with me but he made it very clear to me that there was nothing wrong with me and there has never been anything wrong with me. He made it clear to me that he left because he was going to hurt me. And he didn't want to hurt me more than he already had. And he took responsibility for all the damage that he did, not only to my mom, but to my family and the relationship that I have with my sisters. He took responsibility and it was genuine. And we we cried together. We talked and I asked him and I told him, why did you go so many years like this? Like, couldn't you have told me this years ago? Like, why now? And he said, because I was prideful, because my ego was too big and it was bigger than me. And I want you guys to understand that these conversations happened over time. I don't want you to think that we talked about this all in one conversation. This happened in the course of maybe eight months or six months. I don't really remember the time frame. And as the days passed by and I started to interact with him more and I started to care a little bit more and and it was new to me. It was it was weird to me. It was scary to me. I had migraines, headaches, sweats. I felt nauseous all the time because my body was obviously in fight or flight. You know, that's all I had ever known in regards to him. So it was so weird for me to feel safe. It was weird for me to feel comfortable and to feel love towards this person you know, like, this person is my father, like, whether I like it or not, he is my father, and I'm giving him this opportunity, it's like a once in a lifetime ticket, and he's taking it, and as the days went by, you know, we would eat together, we had some errands to run, I would go with him, and stuff like that, I got to know him on a deeper level, and I remember this one time, we were um, downtown, and we were eating, um, it was early afternoon and he had gotten a torta or tacos. I don't even remember what he had gotten to eat, but he had gotten something to eat and I got a corn and obviously like I, I mean, I paid for it. He's not working. He doesn't have money. So I paid for it and we sit down and then as he takes his first bite, he looks at me and he starts crying. And so I asked him, are you okay? Do you feel okay? Because obviously he was at the time, you know, still battling his medical issues so I, I got concerned and he said I'm happy and I said oh that's good I'm happy that you're happy and he said I'm and then he, he told me he's like I'm sorry and I said for what he's like because you're not supposed to be paying for my food and I said oh dad don't worry about it like it's fine and he said no he was like you're so good to me and I don't deserve it and then I told him dad you know I'm not anyone to say if you're deserving or not but what I can say is that there is a reason why we have connected now and it was very hard for him to understand that and I remember my heart hurting as I was seeing him eat his 
I'm pretty sure it was a torta now that I think about it. I was seeing him eat it and the tears were just running down his cheeks and my heart was hurting because it was hard for me to see him in that position. You're talking about the man that I have not seen in years and now I'm seeing him seeing him in his most vulnerable state possible. And over time, the care for him, the love for him grew. And I remember one afternoon we were talking and I told him, that I haven't told you this, but I forgive you. And I remember he looked at me and he told me, can you tell me that one more time? And I said, yes, of course, dad, I forgive you. And he got up and he hugged me and we hugged for a very, very, very long time. And he said, thank you. I needed to hear that. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Thank you. I needed to hear that. And before I left that day, he told me, can I tell you something? And I told him yes. And then he's told me, the day I don't look for you, don't look for me. The day I stop asking you for stuff, don't give me anything. The day I push you away, promise me you're going to stay away. And I remember being upset at that moment and telling him, dad, how could you tell me this? Like, in my 22 years of life, this is the first time that I feel like I have a dad. Like, why are you pushing me away? And he told me, you're not going to understand Marifed. You're not going to understand me right now, but you're going to understand me one day. And I remember looking at him and telling him, you're so selfish. And I felt all the emotions again, all the bad negative emotions. And I told him like, dad, you know, we've gotten to this point and now I feel like I'm taking steps back. And he said, no, no, stop it. Stop saying things. Just listen to me and please promise me that you're going to keep your promise and you're not going to look for me the day I stop looking for you and I remember I told him if that makes you feel better then I'll follow that and take my word for it and I said bye and I remember leaving that day so confused and so upset because I couldn't help but think how selfish could you be dad I'm happy right now I feel like I have a dad even though it's not in the conditions that I want him I feel loved I feel cared for by my dad it was very hard for me to understand, but it wasn't until he passed away that it all made sense. Every single conversation that we had all connected, and he was preparing me the entire time. I was grieving my dad's death while he was alive, sitting across from me because he didn't want me to feel too much pain. Because he knew I had suffered enough, so he didn't want to inflict more pain in me and I remember sitting across from him and him telling me you have to let me go so it doesn't hurt and I remember telling him no you're getting better like you're you're getting better like you're walking you know you're eating you know you're you're gonna get better and he would tell me no you have to let me go (sighs) the months pass and he ended up leaving the hotel for work Right. He went for work. I knew that he wasn't physically ready to work. He was very tired. He was tired of living and he couldn't work. But he found a job and he left. I don't remember where it was, but I remember it was it was pretty far away. So he left for work and I remember he would send me pictures and tell me, I am so happy over here. Like it's going great. Um, I can't wait to get back and see you and I'm going to take you out and all of these things, right? 
and I couldn't help but look at the pictures and see the pain that he had and he looked very tired but he was working so fast forward a couple months and he comes back um you know he had his ups and downs with his health and since he wasn't looking for me I wasn't looking for him because I was keeping the promise and I remember feeling very confused because I had felt these very intense emotions and out of nowhere he left and I no longer felt abandoned and I no longer felt like I wasn't worthy because I understood I understood I was conscious of his decisions and I was respecting his decisions and um he was at a shelter for some time but over time they took him out of there because he was too sick he had multiple you know runs to the emergency room they didn't want to put up with that so they kicked him out so he later became homeless on another occasion i got a severe ear infection that took me to the er not once but twice I felt extremely ill, extremely weak. I was feeling very, 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 very bad. And medically speaking, they could not understand why I was in such a bad state over a simple ear infection. And I contacted one of my aunts. She's not my biological aunt, but I love her, so she's my aunt. And she's very into, like, holistic healing and all of those stuff and there's a lot of things I don't agree with because I am a believer in Christ but I told her what was going on so she could pray for me and she tells me she's like hey um you know you have that ear infection because you need to, you need to listen to your dad's voice and I remember saying what she's like yeah your dad has something to tell you and you have to listen to him and I remember we hung up and I sat down on my couch in the living room and I closed my eyes. And I remember talking to God and telling God, God, he told me not to reach out to him. What do I do? And I remember staying quiet for a few minutes and then I told God, God, I'm going to do what I know is best. I'm going to pray. And so I started praying over him and I started praying that God could touch his heart and give him the peace he needed. I started praying that God made it make made it known to him that he loves him because in multiple occasions he told me how he was not deserving of anything and how it felt weird to him to receive good stuffs from people when he didn't deserve it and you know he shared on multiple occasions how he was not worthy of anything and I remember praying and I prayed and I prayed and I was crying because I so desperately wanted to call him and wanted to see where he was at. But God was telling me, Marifet, don't do it. This prayer is enough. And I remember I would keep praying and I said, God, I'm going to grab my phone and call him. And God said, no, keep praying for him. This is enough. And I remember I grabbed my phone and I was going to call him and his voice came to my head. Do not reach out to me if I don't reach out to you so I didn't call him and I couldn't sleep that night because I couldn't help but think why he was coming up to my mind he stayed in my mind for a few days and that extended for two weeks and then one Saturday morning my sister and I and my nephew get to church and as we go upstairs we run into the pastor and the pastor tells us 
hey, um, I don't know if you know, but your dad's here. Obviously, my sister had a bad reaction to that because she doesn't feel safe around him, which is completely normal and valid. I remember when the pastor told me that, I got really cold. My hands got really cold. I started to feel anxiety. And I remember we got back on the car. We got my nephew in the car seat and I couldn't help but think my dad's at church. My dad being at church meant that my dad was ready to go. My dad being at church meant that God listened to my prayer and brought him to his feet. My dad being at church didn't mean danger, didn't mean he was out to hurt us. My dad being at church meant so much to me. And I remember we called my mom to tell her that, you know, we had left church. Um, You know, my sister was having um, intense emotions. I was supporting her while at the same time I couldn't help but think that my dad was ready to die. And I couldn't tell my mom, I couldn't tell my sister because I was having a hard time projecting that myself. And I and all I can remember was, that's going to be the last time he goes to church. And I remember my mom was worried that he would go in the afternoon service and she didn't want to see him. So we went to our sister church that is about an hour away from us because it felt safe to do so. And so we did, and we had a really good service. And I remember the entire service, I couldn't help but think, I hope my dad went to the service today. And I hope that whatever the pastor's preaching touches his heart, and I hope whatever songs are saying touch his heart, and I hope that whatever prayer is said touches his heart. And I couldn't help but think that God was calling him, and I couldn't help but think that I wanted him to stay a little bit longer. Because maybe if he stayed a little bit longer, he would have been able to see me get married Maybe if he stayed a little bit longer, he would meet my children. He never got to meet any of his grandchildren. Maybe if he stayed a little bit longer, he would have gotten more forgiveness from my sisters or forgiveness in general. Maybe I wasn't going to be the only one that healed my relationship with him if he had been here a longer time. But I couldn't help but tell God that I was okay with his decision, even though I knew it would hurt me and even though I knew it would leave my older sister devastated. And I remember thinking, God, I'm here to serve you. As much as I want to call him, I'm respecting what he's saying. But if you think that I should call him, please let me know. And God said, no, don't call him. Don't distract him. He's ready. And I remember telling God, God, but it's because I want to call him. Like, just let me call him. I, I, need, I need to talk to him a little bit. Like, I just want to, you know, and God said, don't call him. And I said, okay, I won't call him. Fast forward to December 25th, 2024. I was in my house and my hands were very, very cold and I couldn't get them to warm up. I started thinking, hmm, maybe I have anxiety. I think that that's that's probably what it is. I took a bath. I put my hands in really warm water. It didn't go down. I drank three hot teas. 
didn't go down i went to the gym i went to my sister's house we were playing with my nephew my hands still wouldn't warm up and i remember i was freaking out i told my sister i'm like hey touch my hands really quickly like i don't know what's going on and i remember her saying wow they're really really cold are you okay and i said i i don't know but my hands are really cold and so we were there i was there for a very long time and i I needed to come back home, obviously, to sleep. So I told her bye. And so she asked me about my hands, and they were still really cold. And I said, well, maybe I'm tired. Maybe by tomorrow they'll go away. So then the next day, December 26th, I wake up. My hands are super cold again. And I'm like, hmm, why are my hands so cold? So I, I close my eyes, and I do what I know best. And I said, God my hands are causing me anxiety my hands are very cold i cannot bring them to regular temperature and it has me very very stressed out because imagine your hands feeling like ice and your body's warm it's it's not very comfortable i had gloves on wouldn't like there was nothing that would warm my hands up and so instead of me ignoring it i began to grow more impatient i went to the gym didn't warm up i took a hot bath didn't warm up my hands were not warming up Fast forward to December 27th, my mom calls me in the morning and tells me, your dad's in the hospital, and I told her, I'm on my way. I didn't hear anything else she said after that. All I heard was, your dad's in the hospital, and your big sister's there. So I got up, I got dressed, and I started driving to the hospital. On my way to the hospital... The tears were running down my cheeks because I knew what that meant. I knew that this time it didn't mean a typical hospital visit. I knew that he was ready. A week before, he had gone to church. A week before, he had looked for God. So I knew what this meant. I knew exactly what this meant without anybody telling me anything. Once I get there, obviously I didn't know what floor he is in. I, I, I didn't know anything, really. And so I get to the counter, I tell the girl my my father's name, father's last name, they give me the pass. And so I go upstairs, and as I'm going upstairs, I realize that he is in critical care. And he wasn't in just any critical care, but he was in the quiet zone. So before even getting there, I already kind of had a feeling of what I would be walking into. And so I get there, I say hi to my sister, the pastor was there, I say hi to him. And I look at him and I could tell that he was no longer with us. I go with the nurse and I ask the nurse what his diagnosis is. And I told her, I need you to be completely honest with me. I need you to tell me the the real deal. I am ready for it. And she said, oh, are you sure? Like, I, you're the you're the youngest one, right? And I said, yes. And he's, she was like, are you sure? Obviously, the nurses don't know of the relationships that people have with each other you know they they think of daughter and they're like oh the daughter right so um she starts telling me she shows me the scans you know they do mris ct scans all she showed me all the, the blood she showed me everything with everything that she showed me i just remember going back into the room and looking at him And every single conversation we had had prior to this made sense. And I understood why 
He didn't want me to reach out to him. I felt so much peace. I remember that day felt very long. A lot of people came um, to show their support. And I remember at the end of the night of that same day, my sister and I, my older sister and I stayed. My mom was there, but we sent her home because she needed to rest. And I remember when my mom left and I was looking at him, I couldn't help but think, why was my mom there the entire day? This man had inflicted so much pain in her and she was there supporting his daughters. Obviously, we're her daughters too, but I cannot imagine me being put in that position. She was there the entire time. And I remember sending her home because I knew how hard it was for her to be there and I knew I could handle the situation on my own with my older sister. So we sent her home and as soon as she went home, he flatlined. And I remember laying down, I had put two chairs together and I was, I don't remember if I had a blanket or a jacket and my sister was holding his hand and I was laying down I put music. And I remember my sister asking me like, how could you even sleep, you know, with this going on? And I, I remember feeling, I don't want to say I felt like Jesus felt, I cannot imagine how Jesus felt, but I want to think it was something like this. The monitor is beeping and I'm laying down and I'm resting and I'm asleep and I felt or I think this is what Jesus felt like when he was in the boat and the disciples were calling him Jesus Jesus wake up because there was a storm and I felt so at peace and I remember right when I woke up he flatlined and my sister was crying and I I felt so much peace I don't think I had ever felt the peace that I was feeling at that given moment. I would be lying if I told you that I had experienced that peace before. And I remember closing my eyes and telling God, thank you. Thank you for completing his purpose. Thank you for giving him another opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to heal the relationship with my father before he passed. I can finally say that I loved my father and that I appreciate the lessons that I learned from him. I can finally say that I had a father, and even though I could say he was absent, he wasn't absent the last two years of his life. And I share all of this with the intention to spread awareness of mental health. My dad could have prevented a lot if he would have taken care of his mental health. He would have probably still been alive to this day if he would have prioritize his mental health but through our conversations I promised that I would take care of myself and I would do everything to be the most healthy person I can be for myself and sometimes I feel unmotivated and I think about his story and it encourages me to keep pushing forward and for a long time I looked at him as a specific person and now all I can say are good things about him it doesn't dismiss the damage he did. It doesn't justify it. But I forgave him and I can proudly say I forgave him. I can proudly say that we shared experiences together that are going to last me for a lifetime. And I can proudly say that I saw God's grace through him. And I can proudly say that I experienced God's love and I experienced God's heart because my heart hurt a lot of times when we had interactions together. It was very hard for me to understand how a man could be in the position that he was in. But I knew that he had to pay his dues 
or the actions and decisions he had made in his life. And although it was hard for me because I was feeling love towards him, I knew that we all at some given point, we pay our dues for our actions. I'm not sure who's listening to this today, but we have to be easy on our parents. Our parents weren't taught how to be parents. And although as children, we feel certain ways sometimes, we have to be easy on them. I'm not sure how your relationship is with your parents, but this is an invitation to you to heal your relationship. I did it for myself. I didn't do it for him because at the end of the day, God has already written his story. And I wanted my narrative to be different. And it took a lot in me, honestly, to give myself that opportunity. And obviously, I knew the risk that I was taking because I knew there was a risk that I could get severely hurt. But I took it with the help of God. I didn't do it alone. I don't want you guys to think that this was done alone. I could not have possibly done it without God's help. But through forgiveness, I learned to love him different. And I learned that God's grace expands to everyone. And he gives us all a chair at the table. And we're no one to determine whether or not someone deserves to sit across from us or not. Only God can determine that. And I feel like sometimes as humans, we take the power into our own hands and we like to signal. And, you know, for some time I did feel guilty for not reaching out to him sooner. But now I'm glad things happened the way they did because I'm at a way better place now. And mentally, I'm so strong. I feel like if this conversation would have happened years ago... I would not have been ready for it. You know, all the conversations we had, all the things we shared, I don't think I was mature to receive any of that information. And although it felt like my dad had died years ago because he was never present, him passing at 23 years of age was not easy. And it was very, very hard for me because for me, I was like, God, When I feel like I have a dad, you take him from me. And as the day started passing by and with the help of therapy, I changed that and said, thank you, God, for allowing me to get him to know the way I did. Because he shared with me that no one had ever cared to ask him how he felt and how no one had cared to hear him out because he had hurt so many people and so people were not open to that so I knew it meant a lot for him for me to have given him that opportunity and I appreciate all the conversations we've had we had together and I just learned so so much from him and although I wish he would have been here a little longer and things would have been different I understand that God has his plan and I'm just very thankful to have been able to represent God the way I did during those months and I really want to encourage you to heal your relationship with your parents I know that we can be very upset at how they make us feel and upset about things that happened and traumas and stuff like that but honestly talking heals and it's very important for us to get our feelings out even if it sometimes means that we're going to hurt other people. And I know that's a very controversial conversation, but I'm willing to have that. I know that sometimes talking about our feelings is going to hurt people because we're going to place them in a position that is not comfortable for them. 
but that's the best thing we can do because we have to be selfish sometimes you know there was several conversations that I had with my dad that I knew I knew for a fact that would hurt him and I would tell him I don't do this with the intention of hurting you I'm just communicating my feelings to you and that is so important when we talk about our feelings because I know that sometimes when we're emotionally immature we don't interpret conversations like that you know we want to always victimize yourself and say oh like you're being so mean like no when someone's communicating our feelings their feelings they're not being mean they're communicating and we have to be open to receive that so for whatever it's worth if anybody needs guidance if anybody needs support and help in healing your relationship with your parents don't hesitate to reach out my email is in the description and I also wanted to mention that our parents are not open to talk about feelings because it's not normalized and they weren't raised like that. So please be easy on them. I know that it's easy for us to communicate with each other, with people our ages, how our parents make us feel. But for them, it's very hard. And I'm not justifying their actions or justifying how they make us feel. But we have to be easy and understand that they are also experiencing life as you're experiencing life and they experience life through our eyes so we have to kind of guide them and give them that extra little push and tell them like hey i know that you're not used to expressing how you feel i know that you're not accustomed to talk about your feelings but i would like to talk about mine today and if you guys need help in regards to like how to start those conversations um, I'll be more than happy to help you with that. My email is in the description. You guys can email me at any given moment and I'll go ahead and answer you through there. Or if you know me personally, you can go ahead and reach out to me through Instagram, my personal number, etc. But yeah, I really hope that we can all together make it to the beautiful side, not only with ourselves, but also with our parents and I really appreciate the support and I appreciate you tuning in to this second episode and I hope to see you in the next one.